Welcome again to Inside the Economy with Sharky Hausenjaver. My name is Scott Brooks. Today's topics, we're going to cover a little bit about inflation. We're going to talk about will there be a trade truce of some type? Uh, presidential cycles. How does that impact the stock market? Stocks are up right now, so a lot of questions around why should I own bonds? And then finally, we'll close out with the Federal Reserve is meeting this week, and they're talking about cutting rates. So let's take a look at the numbers, shall we? Uh, currently, there isn't a whole lot of brand new information out. Probably in another week or two, we'll see some things from the Fed that'll come give us some highlights. Uh, right now, the only thing we're really talking about is the personal consumption index. This index is the one that the Fed likes to look at. And since they're meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, they're gonna be looking at the fact that it hasn't changed much, not only in the last few months, but really in the last year or so. Moving down, why hasn't inflation really impact? Well, the reason for that really is there hasn't been anything driving it. Unemployment is still low. Capital spending is still good. Um, people are finding that the cost of transportation is inexpensive, especially looking at how oil and energy prices have fallen. Even with the issue we had in the Straits of Hormuz uh, last week with Iran being blamed for blowing up some tankers, it really didn't move the needle at all on energy prices. In fact, they've come down. That just has to do with the fact that Russia, Saudi Arabia, and other big oil producing countries are putting out more output than really is needed. And so with that excess surplus, prices only have one way, and that's to go down. It wouldn't surprise us, especially in the future, if we didn't see oil and energy prices dropping down either into the low 50s or high 40s. Now, with that, a lack of inflation has provided the opportunity for interest rates to move up. And in anticipation of the Fed at least hinting at chopping rates a little bit at this upcoming meeting, it's caused the yields on things like short-term treasuries to fall. Those rates generally move in the same direction that the Fed wants to move their short-term interest rates. And with that, that also impacts other rates, such as the 10-year, the 30-year, and even mortgages. Those have all been coming down. Those are all bringing down inflation. So the Fed's got kind of a tough job. They're in a hard spot, as they say. And that is, they've got to determine whether or not they need to stimulate the economy to get those interest rates and inflation back up, or leave it alone and kick the can down the road. We'll have to see. The personal consumption index, as you can see from this slide, is the thing that I had mentioned that the Federal Reserve really likes to take a close look at. It really tells them the inside story of who's really spending the money and on what goods. They're shooting for an inflationary impact of about 2% per year, which is held steady for the last couple of years. Unfortunately, inflation just doesn't seem to be popping up. Cost of goods and services, everything except for perhaps ski tickets and, and uh, college tuition, only two things that seem to be going up. Everything else from clothing to shoes to transportation and other things has seemed to be dropping in cost. So that thing, the Fed will be discussing that to try to determine whether or not they do need to take some action to get some stimulus, maybe put a little inflation back into the system. Okay, what about trade? I mean, that's been the topic of conversation. And again, one of the things that'll probably be first on the minds of the Federal Reserve this week, talking about how they can sort of have an impact on the U.S. economy if the trade wars continue. Well, there are some different opportunities that could come out of this depending on which direction it goes. If nothing really changes, there's not really a truce, we sort of muddle along, 
we feel that the markets will probably continue on in what we consider to be a trading range, bouncing up and down, driven by a news event here or there, but for the most part, staying about where they are for the remainder of the year. Now, for those of you who don't know, the S&P 500 is up about 16% year to date. So uh, we'll talk about this when we talk about the third uh, year of a presidential cycle. Those are generally up at about that same range. So since we might have already gotten those kind of returns we need for the year, if there is no agreement at the upcoming G20 summit uh, between China and America, President Xi doesn't want to budge, nor does President Trump, it's very possible we just end up flat for the year with about these kinds of returns for the remainder. Now, if there's trade wars, if we kick in, as we had talked earlier in the year, about maybe putting larger tariffs on Mexico or Canada or, or even Europe, with those cases, that certainly will put a drag on the economy, on consumer spending and confidence, probably bringing the stock market down before year end. And on the other hand, if there's some sort of a resolution, we come to a, a wonderful agreement, uh, we've decided that China will play by the rules, um, potentially then the markets could continue a little higher. Personally, we don't see it coming. Uh, China's doing everything in its power to try to keep its own uh, economy going. Uh, they don't like the fact that we're putting these restrictions on them. So it's not surprising we've already found that they're slapping made in Vietnam stickers on some of the materials they're exporting or made in Mexico stickers on them just to get their uh, economy uh, rolling. I talked about the third year of a presidential cycle. This is really interesting. Going through the last presidential cycle, you've noticed that there's about an average 16% return for the year for the S&P 500. Much better than the first and second year. Fourth year is not too terrible, but the third year has always seemed to be one of the most positive returning years we've ever had in the stock market. This year is no different. As I mentioned, we're up about 16.2% year to date, and the average is 16.4. So there could potentially be some more upside if things go well. Maybe not if the other way, but there's been two years in which, uh, since 1950 in which the stock market does not have a positive return. But over the average, the third year seems to get a lot of input from both the current administration and Congress to work together to try to get some of the things they wanted accomplished before going into election years in which they're going to spend all their time campaigning and not really getting a whole lot accomplished. So hopefully this will be continue on to be a great year for us. The stock market is really doing quite well this year, up about 16%. With that, one of the questions I get from a lot of clients is, well, if the stock market's doing so well, why do we have any money in bonds? Shouldn't we have everything we have in stocks? Mm, that's a great question, but as we all know, stocks fairly volatile. Even though sometimes we know that they do well over the long haul, bonds, on the other hand, give us a little peace of mind because the interest rate and the coupon that's being paid on those bonds is fairly steady. In fact, looking at this chart, in a lot of the down years in which the market had some fairly negative returns, bonds, as a rule, always had a positive. So having something that doesn't correlate directly to the economy or the stock market, but rather to interest rates, sometimes gives us the kind of comfort we know that for our retirement, for our investments, if we decide to have something outside of stocks, bonds are a great spot to have our money. So as I just mentioned, bonds can provide some stability in times of uncertainty, but over rolling periods of time, it's even more evident. 
we take a look at this chart, while well, we can see that stocks in blue have quite volatile returns, there's highs of nearly 50% and down almost 40%, bonds have stayed a lot more stable. Their downside protection is really what's provided us the reason for owning them, both as a standalone investment and oftentimes as a blended investment, such as a 50-50 mix. Look at the 10-year numbers. What you'll find is while stocks have done quite well over time, bonds and blended returns have done just as exceptional with almost no negative returns whatsoever. So owning bonds, especially in an environment like we have today, probably still a very smart idea. So let's talk about the impact of the Fed funds rate, both up and down on other interest rates. People often say that the Fed funds rate is the most important, and over time it is. It does impact the valuation of other interest rates, such as the 10-year, the two-year, even the 30-year bond. So if the Fed decides to take some action one way or another, that could potentially provide either good up or down for the remainder of the bond market. So if we're going to talk about bonds, let's talk about the Fed's opportunity to cut rates. When looking at the Fed funds rate, let's find out how many times Wall Street actually gets it wrong. Deutsche Bank puts out this chart, letting us know that if we look at the red line, these are the times in which the Federal Reserve has decided to raise interest rates. They're pretty good about telegraphing what they want to do and when they want to do it, but Wall Street just can't seem to get it right. If you look at the dash lines, these are all the times that uh, Wall Street has come out and said the Fed is either going to raise or cut rates. As you can see, leading up to the last recession in 08, pretty wrong every time. Post then, they thought the Fed would raise rates many times prior to actually raising so. And now they're predicting not only a 75% chance of cutting rates at this week's meeting, but a 40% chance of cutting them twice in this year and another 25% cutting them three times. But looking at their dismal track record, I'm going to say might not happen, and I certainly wouldn't bet the ranch on it. All right, that's about wraps it up for this week. If you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to send them to us at info at SHWJ. We'll try to address them in a future edition of Inside the Economy with Sharky Eisenjaver. Thank you for watching.